Welcome to Canucks Corner. This is Aaron Lane, and this is a podcast in which I get to tell you all about the Vancouver Canucks. I'll tell you some Canucks news. I'll tell you how the Canucks did in the last week, maybe where they stand in the standings. And then I've picked a specific game to watch and analyze so that I can let you know exactly how the Canucks did in that game. Then I'll take a look at the week to come, give my predictions for where I think that will go, and that's the podcast. So, let's get started. The Pregame Show. This is part of the podcast where I get to tell you all about the last week in Canucks. We get to take a look at all the games they played, take a look at any Canucks news and their standings. And let's jump right in. The Canucks started out by playing the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday, November 4th. And that is our special game this week. So I'm just going to be talking about that a whole bunch shortly. So I'm going to leave that game alone. We then played on Monday, November 6th against Detroit. Uh, I expected that to be a close game, but the Canucks to win that one, maybe 3-2. to two. Oh, I was a bit off. Detroit won that game, and it was a pretty good one. Coach Green was pretty happy with the loss, as much as you can be happy with a loss. It was a good game going back and forth a lot, and it was an exciting game. If the Canucks are going to be a team that doesn't win a lot, then you're going to want a team that is exciting. And they certainly were on that Monday evening, and it was a really good game. It was just too bad that the Canucks didn't win it. All right, Tuesday, November 7th, brings us the Calgary Flames, and Boy, do we take it to Calgary. Uh, we go ahead and win that one 5-3, to three, and it was a pretty dominating performance by the Canucks in a lot of ways. Calgary came at us a lot in the forecheck and their quick team, and we just met them stride for stride for the most part and worked hard against the boards and wore them down enough to get a few scoring chances, and we made the most of our chances, including two power play goals, if I remember correctly which you may want to remember from here on in because they might be the, first, the last ones we score for a little while. So I correctly predicted that score. Uh, not the score, but I correctly predicted that game, the win by the Van Canucks there on Tuesday. And on Thursday, November 9th, we were up against Anaheim, and I knew this one was going to be tough. I thought Anaheim might pull this one out 3-2, to two, but Anaheim was missing Ryan Kessler, missing Getzlaff, and a couple of other guys, and I think they were even playing their backup goaltender. I forget, but it, it was a pretty rough night. For us, even after all that, they still managed to clean our clocks 4-1, to one, uh, which pretty much everyone said was the Canucks' worst performance this year. It was the return of Alexander Edler and Louis Erickson, unless I, I'm misremembering. Tanev, unfortunately, was injured, so he got bumped out. So he wasn't able to play, but nobody really had a great game that game, and it was it was a rough one all the way around, rough one defensively, rough one offensively on the power play. I think we had five or six power plays. I forget which. It, yeah, it didn't go well. <laughs> it wasn't a good game, but that's okay. These games will happen, and like I said, against Anaheim, these things happen more often than not because they've just they're a tough team to play against for us. Anyways, we're. Coming up to November 11th, Remembrance Day, and this Saturday, I had predicted 3 nothing loss to the Sharks because, again, kind of like Anaheim, the Sharks just seem to have our number, and they, uh, they're a tough team to play against always for us. And it was, again, it was a similar sort of game where the... Well, no, it wasn't. That, it's not, that's not fair. The Canucks 
clearly tried harder in this one. We tried hard. We got a lot of pressure on early. They scored immediately, 11 seconds in. Thomas Hurdle scored like 11 seconds in. And we were just playing catch-up from that point on. But their goaltender, rookie, you think, certainly not a goaltender I've seen before, Bell, I think his name was. Anyways, he played unconscious. He made a, a, a stop off of, I think it was Gagne, right in front of the net. Gagne had the whole, well, had about 70% of the net to shoot at. And he shot at it. <laughs> and Bell wasn't even facing Gagne. And he just stuck his mitt out and caught the puck. <laughs> and it was like, ugh. Gagne didn't really have a clean shot at it, but he was just kind of knocking the puck as quick towards the empty net. And it, I think it was rolling or whatever, and it just came off his stick. And instead of going towards the empty net, went towards the goalie and it got him right in the in the glove. But that was the Canucks' night. It was, the Canucks did not get luck. They had a lot of shots, a lot of scoring chances, and the Sharks just fed off of that. And then the wheels fell off in the third period. We ended up getting several power play opportunities and just doing nothing on those power plays, except for allowing shorthanded chances against. And they scored three shorthanded goals this game. That's ugly. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, two really rough games. Even though, even Coach Green in the scene said that the game against the Sharks wasn't too bad. It was a pretty good game for the most part. But obviously, some key things fell apart. Because, yeah, the, the sometimes you only get, like, five real good chances. Markstrom makes some really nice saves, too. But you only get, like, five really good chances to score, and sometimes you score on all of them. And this sort of is what happened for the Sharks. Like, old-school bad calls on the Canucks, where Dorsett reaches a stick around a guy skating through the neutral zone, touches him on his arm or stick, maybe, and then pulls it back immediately... Like, maybe had a half, a, just a fraction of a second of touching, and then pulled it back immediately, then went around the proper way in the whole thing, and he got a penalty for that. And that seemed like, what? And then with just a few seconds left, they had a shorthanded breakaway, and, oh, who was it? Edler? Got a penalty coming back on the guy. Edler got a bad penalty, too. A slash was called when he was checking a guy. And when you're checking a guy with your stick... Sometimes you're gonna you're you're gonna hit him, but you know the difference between a check checking a guy with your stick and slashing him. And I really think the the refs really didn't make that distinction very well that game. Anyway, and then like I said, the last the penalty called in the last few seconds turned into a penalty shot. And if you look at the the rules for penalty shot, it doesn't sound like it qualifies as a penalty shot. The the way you look at that play. And I think the, the, the key part was was that the the guy's got to have control of the puck at the time. And the puck was pushed ahead of him. And, oh no, well, with the other big thing, I mean, that's something. But the other big thing is that you have to stop him from getting a good scoring chance. The, the offense took place just past the center line. And the guy took the puck in and had a scoring chance. So how's that a penalty shot, right? It didn't stop him from getting... a quality scoring chance. Markstrom saved it. It was all right, but he had a good shot at it. So I don't know. Not not the perfect refing job, but that wouldn't have changed the, the the result. The result still, Sharks beat us. Our power play was horrific and we allowed all these shorthanded chances. So, you know, it was a rough night in those parts of it. 
and maybe I want to talk about the power play. Um, just a short thing if I can. People are dumping on it really hard because of these last couple of games. But here's what I think. I think a power play takes takes the right players in the right spots. Gagne's not in the right spot. Besser's not in the right spot. It also takes practice and it takes time for the team to learn the system. A, a couple dozen games even, I don't think, is a real enough time to learn a power play. And we have changed our power play completely from that cycling in the corner to various things. Passes across to Besser, shots from the point with guys in front, that kind of diamond-shaped thing, passes from the side, this sort of thing. So there's a lot going on with our power play, and we don't have the right guys in the right place necessarily, and we don't have, we haven't had the practice with it. It's kind of trial by fire, and we're getting hammered in some of these things. So yeah, no, it's, I'd say give it more time, and that's really what it comes down to. I think once you get the guys in the right spot, once they're settled with the type of power play they want, and they've practiced it for long enough, I think we'll be okay. But don't crap on them completely now and have them do something stupid like get rid of Newell or whatever. I think this needs time. And this is the perfect season to have that. Because we weren't planning on making the playoffs, even though we had a really good week leading. Yeah, it's 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 time exactly for this, to work on the power play and to find out where the guys fit and the whole thing. So let the Canucks do that. It's going to be rough for a while, but that's all I'm going to say about that. At this, It's just, it's in process. Let them see if they can find out where they can make it work and how they can make it. And then we'll see. All right. That's it for the week in review for the games. Now, the news. The news is that Tanev got injured. Edler and Erickson are back. For Tannen sitting out right now. Erickson actually played pretty well in those two games. Not terribly. He's a, just a solid sort of guy. He's probably a third-line guy. And his role is to make sure that the other team doesn't get the jump on us. And, but he's not a 30 good at this point on this team. He's not a guy who's going to be the first-line answer with the Sins, even though he plays reasonably well with them. So, yeah, he's all right. He's he's not the problem. He's not the problem. He has... The, the problem may be in his contract. We expect too much of him, just like we expect from the... Because they got this huge number attached to them. But the truth is, he's going to play a role right now until we can trade him, where it's just going to be a solid role. Anyway, that's him. Edler coming back was problematic because everyone kind of expected him to step in to Tanov's spot and just do a perfect defensive job. And he clearly didn't. He didn't have his A game going, which completely makes sense. First game or two coming back from an you're not likely going to have your A. So that's all right. I don't really have anything bad to say about that per se. How much does Tanov mean to the Canucks? That may be a question. A lot of people have said, well, now we know Tanov's MVP. Okay, you know. I don't think we win either of those games if Tanov is against, specifically against Anaheim or San Jose. Tanov's a good player, and he's definitely given our defense a solid person to be back there and eat up minutes and generally not cause us pain defensively. That's great, but that doesn't mean that he's some messiah back there and he's our Lidstrom or something. He's solid. So Tanev may not be MVP, but he's a solid guy and we'll miss him. He'll help us win some games, but games like that, that was the whole team's problem, not just Tanev's. 
and Nielsen had a baby. Well, I mean, his wife had a baby, but that was part of the reason why Demko was called up in the whole was because Nielsen would come back right away and he had to be waiting for the baby. So baby is here. Everything's happy. Nielsen's back. He's probably going to play a game or two. And yeah, that is the Canucks news for the week as far as I can figure it. So time to look at the standings. Well, obviously, it's been an epic disaster as we've lost four out of the five games, which I said would be a possibility, and that this would be a big week for us if we weren't able to pull it together. And we weren't, so this big week has resulted in this set of standings. LA on top of 24, Vegas 2021, 20, San Jose 20, Calgary and Vancouver at 18, Anaheim at 17. So we are fifth in the standings, tied for fourth, and... Not in terrible shape, but not in great shape, obviously, outside of the playoff picture, which, again, I wasn't expecting to be in the playoffs anyway, so, you know, it was nice to kind of be in that headspace for a little while, but the truth is, I think the Canucks are in the bottom third of the league, naturally, and this is kind of where we are right now. So, is that a terrible thing? Not if we need to develop our players. If we take a look at the situation and go, yeah, maybe Dorsett has had his good start, but it's time to... Put someone like him aside and get Goldie up for a while. Give him some real playing time. And maybe some of the other guys, some of the defensemen. Maybe give Subban an actual shot. Even though I've got a feeling that he's probably not going to be the first call up as a defenseman back then. I think we looked at a stat recently. Played seven games. Got one assist. But his his plus minus, is. I think the criticism for him has to do that end of But there we go. That's where we are in the standings. That's where I expect us to be in the standings, more or less. And so, yeah, we'll just see how it goes from here. But that was the Canucks week in review. So onwards to the special game. Game time. This is the part of the podcast where I get to tell you all about one specific game the Canucks played this week. And we have to go all the way back to last Saturday, November 4th, 2017, when the Vancouver Canucks hosted the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, that's my son's favorite team, so he decided not to actually watch this one because he was too worried that the result wouldn't be in his favor. And I said, no way, man. It's the the Penguins are probably going to win. He's like, nah, I'm good. So as it turned out, it's probably better he didn't watch as his Pittsburgh Penguins were given a lot of trouble by the Vancouver Canucks. And Sidney Crosby apparently is having some difficulties with the way the team's going right now as they're not up to snuff for the most part, as far as he's concerned. So anyway, it was Murray against Markstrom, as Nielsen's baby had not yet been born, and he was taking some time off for that. So let's look at the first period. We start with a huge save by Tanev, sweeping the puck off the goal line after it squeaked through Markstrom's pads. So once again, Tanev shows his worth by going ahead and actually stopping a goal by getting the puck out of there. A little bit later, Biega loses the puck in in the zone, ends up taking a penalty because he was kind of panicking after losing the puck, which tends to happen. There was a huge stop by Markstrom on Crosby, nice backdoor play. Then Dorsett coming the other way on a two and one had a chance, but he tried to, he tried, Dorsett tried to toe drag it around the defenseman. And I think as he took the puck, it, deflected off of the defenseman's stick and passed the goal above the goal perhaps regardless Gunsel scores on the power play assisted from Kessel and Crosby 
A no-look through the legs pass by Crosby right from the net. Gunsel on the other side. Discussion pops it into the empty net. It looks like it was going to be a bad game for the Canucks. Straight from the get-go, it looked like Penguins had it on. We were already in power play trouble, or you know, penalty-killing trouble as this case may be, and we weren't going to go ahead and have a very good game. Case in point, Bermistrov high-sticks somebody against the boards, gets a penalty. We're shorthanded. Horvat stands up at the blue line, gets the puck, and goes in and takes a shot, but it gets knocked out of play. So a good defensive play to start, takes it up the ice, gets a shot on net. And that's the type of game that Horvat's been playing lately, which is really solid. Canucks killed off this penalty, which made me feel like maybe it's not going to be terrible. And then just after it, Horvat went ahead and made this great forecheck and gets it out in front to Besser. Besser makes a sick deke, gets it around Murray, and slides it in the empty net. And it was nice. It was very nice. And we tied the game 1-1, and I'm a happy guy. Besser really showing what he can do. Then a little bit later, we've got Besser taking a shot while going back to the blue line. So he's coming up the boards with the puck back towards the blue line, and he just spins and fires the puck. Now, we've seen this before from Besser, and we're seeing it quite a bit. And he's even said that this is something he's learned how to do. He likes taking shots when there's people in front of him because he can generally get the puck to the net, which is a huge deal. And if there's guys in front, we're talking screens and deflections and whatnot, hard for the goaltenders to make the save there. Also, goaltenders are less likely to think that you're going to shoot as you're going backwards. So he takes advantage of both the psychology of the goaltender and the people in front, and he's now starting to make this play on a regular basis, and it's looking pretty slick. It looks like it's going to be a good play. All right, so then a little bit later, we have Besser again in the limelight. This time, unfortunately, he gets called for tripping. He's stick-checking a guy, and he's reaching in after a puck, but it gets in, kind of in between behind the guy's legs, and he takes the guy's legs out as he's going for the puck. But that you got to be aware of that as a player, that that could happen and that could get called. So Besser has to be on top of that. The Canucks get a great shorthanded chance. Dorsett again gets gets a shot, but he's unable to score on this one, and we kill the penalty. So we've got another shorthanded chance, another penalty killed. Things are looking good. It's 1-1. We're still all right. A little bit later, Markstrom just goes through this run where he saves several shots in a row. Pittsburgh has a really nice shift. In fact, there's a shift and a half sort of where the Canucks can't get it out of the zone and they just keep coming at us. But Markstrom is solid. Hutton is a beneficiary of a great play by Besser at this point where Besser skates around and around the zone and then finally finds Hutton right in the slot pretty much all alone. Hutton takes a shot and at first I'm really angry because he misses the net. And I'm like, oh, Besser did all this work for you, and he gets you the puck in a perfect spot, and you just miss the net. That's not the time to be picking corners. It's the time to get the puck on the net, make the goaltender make a save, get a good rebound, get a deflection, something. But no, he missed the net. As it turns out, it went off of Hornquist's stick, and it was deflected away. So, my bad. It wasn't Hutton's fault. He took a good shot, just Hornquist went ahead and deflected it away. And then just near the end of the period, Bermistrov gets uh, another great chance, but he misses it, unfortunately misses the net. 
And that's why I was so mad at Hutton initially because I'm seeing the Canucks missing the net a lot. And I want the Canucks to hit the net a lot more than they are. Anyways, that's the end of the first period. The Canucks tied 1-1 with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh could consider that a good road period. Anytime you're ahead or tied on the road after the first period usually is a good thing. But let's see how this rolls. It's now second period. The Canucks own the Pittsburgh zone for about two minutes at the beginning of the period. Tanev then, after turns over the puck, Kessel gets the puck in the slot. That's not the guy you want with the puck in the slot. But Markstrom makes a huge save. Then we have a great shot by Vertanen in the low slot. And that's nice to see Vertanen getting some opportunities there as well. Because again, he's not getting a ton of ice time. So it's good when he does get on the ice to get some offensive chances. And then here we have the Canucks' second goal. Besser from Barchi and Horvat. The Killer Bees getting it done. It was a great keep-in by Tanev, I think. Okay, so we're up 2-1. to one. A little bit later, Biega loses the puck in the Canucks zone. Michael Delzato makes a terrible clear attempt with only two Penguins there on the, on the boards. And then we spend a minute or two in the Canucks zone trying to get the puck out. And again, Michael Delzato, not his finest hour. But whether it's Delzato or Tanev or Biega or whomever, our defense have had some, time, some difficult times getting that puck out properly and quickly. And we've got lost in our zone a few times as a result of that. And this was just another another chance. Barchi, a little bit later, trips a penguin in our zone, almost just like Besser's trip, where the stick's coming from behind as he's checking. And the guy just falls over. But we end up killing that penalty. Vertanen had a nice back check, forced a turnover, got a chance on net. So again, he's making the most of his time out there, just not seeing the finish quite yet, but that's okay. The goals will come if Vertanen keeps doing those good things. Then Dorsett draws a penalty on an interference chip-and-chase situation. Chips it in, tries to skate around the guy. The guy pushes his arm against him, won't let him by. Interference. Nice to see that penalty getting called. Besser gets a shot from the point, first shot in the power play. Horvat misses a chance as he's set up by Besser. So they are getting some chances, but unfortunately... They aren't able to score in the power play. There was a huge board battle when the Canucks were in their own zone just after that, where the Canucks eventually come up with the puck. But it starts to show that the Canucks are starting to... But Besser getting chances and making chances on the power play is an excellent thing. Horvat, of course, really doing well as well. And then that huge board battle. There was a lot of board battles this game, and that was just the biggest one I remember seeing, where they spent... A good 30 seconds or so on the boards just trying to get the puck out. You thought the ref was going to call the or the linesman was going to call for a face-off, but it never did happen and eventually the puck got out. But that was the end of the second period. And we go into the third period up 2-1 to one and feeling pretty good. Unfortunately, we begin the third with a rough shift inside our zone. Another couple minutes where we can't get the puck out. So again, maybe that battling against the boards were just not doing as well as we could be doing there. And then they get a shot from the point, and it's tipped in, and they tie it 2-2. Reeves got the shot from the point. McKaig was in front. McKaig tips it in. 2-2. Ugh. Third period, early goal after a really tough shift and a half, two shifts. That would sink the Canucks normally, but not on this night. On this night, we have Besser, and his first career hat trick as he scores from Bo Horvat. Horvat was doing some heavy work in the corner, 
got the puck out in front and Besser just took the shot with right in the slot with guys in front and he gets the puck into the top part of the net and it's three to two. And this was a big play by Horvat because he could have pushed coming into towards the net with the puck. He could have pushed right into the net and tried to get a shot or slid it into the net or whatever, which he often does. But this time he pulled away into the corner with possession and Besser then stepped into the slot himself. Horvat gets in the puck and he gets the goal. So natural hat trick for Brock Besser, his first of his career. That's awesome. And as we can see, forechecking has been key all the way through this game for both teams, but especially for the Canucks as they start generating chances off of getting the forecheck going and, and board battles in the zone. I mean, so does Pittsburgh. And that's been clear this game that who's ever been doing the forechecking seems to have been getting good opportunities from it. But the Canucks have been able to finish and now they're up three to two. Gensel then slides into Markstrom without having any attempt to really stop. He gets a penalty for goaltender interference. Gagne ends up on the point again and he's having trouble with the puck, keeping the puck in, fighting up against the boards against some guys. Too much finesse by Pittsburgh as when they have the puck, they're starting to pass the puck around when they perhaps should be shooting. And that's good for us. So if the Pittsburgh Penguins made quick shots instead of trying for high quality chances, they probably would have beat us this game. But they spend a little bit too time futzing about and Bo Horvat gets a pass from behind the net. Barchi made an excellent play. Besser had his stick on it before that. And we have Bo Horvat from Barchi and Besser, the killer bees, scoring the fourth goal. And Besser has a four-point night. Three goals, one assist. Looking pretty darn spiffy. Besser then gets the puck as it's 4-2. to two, And there's an empty net. And he gets the puck in on the side of the sidewall inside the Pittsburgh zone with control. With only one Pittsburgh Penguin in front of him. He's got a clear shot at the net. It's going to be okay. And he passes. He passes to Tanev. Who either bobbles it or the puck rolls up on edge and he's not able to get a clear shot on the empty net and as a result doesn't score and the Canucks fail to score the fifth goal but do end up winning four to two Besser getting three goals and one assist now I may start doing this now but I thought Besser was the first star Horvat the second star and Markstrom the third star those would be my three stars Markstrom played really well Made a lot of really big key saves. Horvat, of course, scoring and assisting on a couple of Besser's goals. And Besser, of course, having the huge four-point night and almost a five-point night. Besser actually got a little bit of flack, especially from Markstrom, who kind of said, look, I know you wanted to help out your buddy and pass the puck to him with the empty net, but you're a goal scorer. You see an empty net, you take the shot. And apparently Markstrom was kind of just kidding a little bit, but you could tell that because they came back from that and the Penguins almost scored against Markstrom. And of course, that would have been 4-3, to three, but there was still like 30 seconds left or 45 seconds left or something. So they would have had a really good chance of making it 4-4. Four to four. So Markstrom's just kind of reminding Horvat, the game ain't over yet. You can't celebrate and just goof around. You take the shot at the empty net and you bury them, right? And that's actually been that's actually been something that I've and my dad especially we used to watch a lot of Canucks games together and that was his complaint a lot and I shared that sentiment and that was the Canucks for a long time never had a killer instinct they were always just happy enough to be up by one 
to be leading going into the last few seconds. They they were never one to really turn it on and take chances to really finish the job until probably the early 2000s when we're talking about the West Coast Express and Nasland and Bertuzzi and Morrison and Jovanovsky and all these guys, right? That once you had that high voltage scoring team, then you saw that some of that killer instinct where they blow teams out like seven to two and stuff like this, where they weren't happy just winning a game by one necessarily. If they had a chance, they'd push and they'd score whatever they could. And as the Canucks develop here as a team, I think that's one thing that they want to remember to do is to go ahead and take the wins when they can take it. Anyway, it was an awesome game. Besser's best game of the year. Probably one of the best games we'll see for a while. And everyone was really excited because of that. So we'll see what happens from this point on. The Post Game Show. This is a part of the podcast where I get to tell you what is coming up for the Canucks in the week ahead. And my predictions for how things are going to go. Alright, so we've got on Tuesday, November 14th, Vancouver visiting the Los Angeles Kings. After those two tough games, I don't imagine this gets any easier. This is going to be a loss for the Canucks, and it's probably going to be a rough one, maybe 5-1. to one. That's what I'm figuring. Then we have an interesting game. The Golden Knights come to visit on November 16th, Thursday, two days after the Kings game. The Knights are a good team. They're 10-5-1 right now. It's going to be hard to call the Canucks a victory here, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to go ahead and say this is the one that we'll step up and we'll get the job done on. I think that we could probably take the Knights here 4-3 to three in overtime. That's what I'm figuring. Not even the shootout will get it done in overtime. And then finally, on Saturday, November, November 18th, we've got St. Louis in town. St. Louis is having a great season so far, 13-4-1. They're going to have no problems taking care of the Canucks right now unless things change drastically. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking 4-1, maybe 4-2, maybe 4-2 if things get kind of lucky there. But yeah, it's just a short three-game week. One away in Los Angeles to finish the road trip, and then two at home, the Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues. So... This looks like another rough week for us. Uh, this last week for us, predictions-wise, I think I was already down. I was already down five and six. And this was, I got it wrong against Detroit. I got it wrong against Pittsburgh. But I got the other three right, so I'm three and two this week. So it was a good week for me, I guess. And I've managed to become a coin again. A flip of my coin and that is, if I'm correct with my maths, so 8-8 eight and eight now going into this week. And I'm predicting another rough week for the Canucks, another two losses and maybe one victory. He could easily be three losses here in this week, which of course will send the Vancouver community into a tailspin, and it will be Team Tank all over again. Hashtag Team Tank. So anyway, yeah, that's it. That's how things are looking. That's my predictions. And we'll just see how it goes. I expect to see a lot of good plays in these games. A lot of time for the young guys to get some good action. And I'm, I'm actually looking for a power play that they may settle down and focus a bit more on and see if we can't get some decent results 
from the power play over these next three games. Probably not incredible results here, but maybe we'll get a goal or two. I'd say maybe two power play goals in these three games. That's what I'm figuring. Anyway, that's, I think, all I got to say there. So the last thing I got to say is something special. That on December 9th and 10th, on the weekend there, in Seattle, Washington, there is something called PodCon, as in podcast convention, PodCon. And it's being put together by Hank Green and a few other people. He's got a podcast with his brother John, Dear Hank and John. Welcome to Night Vale, I think, is the other big one that is a part of the organizational situation. But then a bunch of others are going to be there. 99% Invisible, Roman Mars will be there, Cortex, Mike Hurley will be there. Those are the guys that I'm interested to see. But then there's a ton of other people my brother my brother and me or something like that i think that was one of the popular groups of people that are going to be there but go to podcon.com and just check out the featured guests there anybody you might know or be interested in if you're into other podcasts as far as i know there's no other there's no sports podcasts involved here but the only other important featured guest that will be there is someone who is not a featured guest and that's me i'm not featured guest but I'm still going to be there so if you want to come and touch base with me maybe go ahead and just chat about hockey or sports or whatever you want I will be there on the 9th and 10th you can get in touch with me via email that I always give at the end of the show that's you can always find on my on my blog where I where I host Canucks Corner, and hopefully I'll see some of you there. I'm hoping even to do a podcast there. I won't have my setup, but I should be able to still record something, so that would be kind of cool. Record in Seattle at the PodCon. Aside from that, yeah, that's just the really cool stuff, so if you can be there in Seattle on the 9th and 10th, go ahead and show up, and maybe we will have a chance to to talk and just to shoot the breeze about all the things that you want to talk about because that would be cool to meet some people who actually listen to this podcast and maybe next year I'll get to go as a featured guest because I'll have a lot more followers and I will make the grade (laughs) so there we go Uh, please get in contact with me if you're going or maybe just you know from my Facebook page what I look like So you can always just look for me, keep an eye out for me, and be like, hey, I think that's the Canucks Corner guy. So feel free to say hello if you think it's me. All right. Well, I guess that's it. So with that special news aside, podcon.com, go ahead and drop by and we will do the chatting. All right. Well, that's it for another Canucks Corner podcast. Hope you guys have an awesome time. And uh, as I say at the end of every episode, Keep your stick on the ice. This has been Aaron Lane for the Canucks Corner Podcast. If you would like to find me, I'm Canucks Corner on Facebook, at Canucks underscore Corner on Twitter, or email me at Canucks Corner Pod. That's Canucks Corner Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.